Yeah, that was a struggle. Right. Are you standing been... up? Yeah, yeah. It's like a. Well, it's, it's, like a it's, all, it's my only steps in the day. If I don't stand up for this podcast, I'm doing no steps for the day. My little <laughs> things beeping at me. Stand up, sit down, stand. There. Yeah. Even so... though you're on a screen, it's like you're looking down at me. It's really like, yeah. <laughs> you should see my calendar. It says podcast and exercise at the same time. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Offsite Podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos Cavallo. And I'm Jason Lanzini. How are you doing today, Carlos? Pretty good, thanks. It's uh, it's like five degrees in the UK now, so it's cold and horrible and miserable, and you're standing there in a t-shirt, so I'm quite jealous. Yeah, but I do have an air conditioning going because it is kind of the opposite. And today we're gonna we're gonna actually do some of the technology bit of construction and technology. Is that right? We're gonna talk about some actual technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We make a big claim that we talk about both, but I can't remember the last time we did a tech chat. So um, yeah, we'll bring it back strong. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. On that theme, um, so today we're gonna talk. We spend most of our time talking to projects about how they deliver those projects. Uh, one of the benefits of that is we get pretty good insight into the sorts of tools they use, they love, they hate, they're mandated, they trial and everything else. So we've got an idea about what is used, what might be popping up. We also like to think that we keep track of the general market anyway. So today we are picking three tools each and sort of pitching the fact that we're going to see maybe more of it next year or they're going to sort of emerge as a key player in their space. You're skirting around it. You did say it was predictions. We had to make a we had to make a a, a prediction that we would be held against, didn't you? Yeah, I guess I held off the word prediction because one of my three is is like it's already doing pretty well. So <laughs> I kind of piggyback yeah, off. Pre- <laughs> clear you success on Google. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. The big things. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, you're up first. Oh, okay. So, um, well, I, I've picked three. Uh, I've gone heavily on Australian-led or base companies. So first one I'll talk about is a company that was originally, I think, based out, out of Sydney. Um, the company's called SiteMate. We might have talked about it before, Carlos, offline. Um, you can kind of think of it, oh, I think their tagline is something like a no-code tool builder specifically for construction. But I guess to um, translate that, uh, you can think of a kind of like Airtable, but specifically for construction. There's like a database you can, and you can build tools and applications on top of it. So kind of like an easy to use power apps may be another way to think of it if you're in and the Microsoft build, ecosystem. Is this trying to get rid of like the endless like list of spreadsheet trackers and things like that. Yeah, basically anything that's in a spreadsheet or, you know, I guess you could see a lot of smaller companies that have a lot of stuff living in spreadsheets. They're thinking about moving to a system, but then the leap to like a Procore or something's a lot of money, et cetera. So you could see a sort of having a generic workflow tool builder uh, fill that gap where you could have a, safety documents living like a safety workflow fill out inspection so you can create a form piece that people fill in the form you can have workflows of approvals that sit on top of it 
So you end up with like a form builder and then that's populating a database. Why? Um, so it could do anything. Is there anything about it that's like construction specific? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, why are the generic tools that can do all of these things pretty well, not just used? And is it because construction like being pitched something that's for construction or is there like aspects that are pretty like construction specific? There's like a, there'll be a whole marketing story of like the positioning of it, but, and they're like, I think they have a lot of built-in templates that have like, here's your site diary template, here's your, you know, like if you go to like an air table, you're going to get a lot of like, here's how Airbnb do their product development yeah, yeah. spread using the same it. like power apps and things like that. Yeah. It's just an everything. So they have a, a lot more domain expertise in construction. The founding team are from construction. Um, yeah. And they build tools and I think layer on some of the other controls and, you know, field types and stuff that construction specifically need. And they're now pushing towards integration specifically for construction. So. Cool. So you're not standing start when you pick it up, like you would with an air table or an ocean. It's like, well, even those have, that's, I th that's what I like about it. Cause I think that there's a real clear, clear playbook for them. Like if you can, if you can make it really easy for a company or a project to start building their first tool whether it's like a site diary or a safety inspection or whatever it is, once some people get the hang of that, then every other form or tool that they build is almost like it's free because yeah. you're, you're paying per user. So you can start to really like stick in a lot of different workflows into this one product. And once you do that, then that customer is super sticky because they've invested so much time building out a set of tools in your product. So I think it's, I yeah. think it's really cool. Um, and how early are they? They're not that well in the relative to big company, they're early, but they just raised the series A, like I think weeks ago, as we're talking now, they raised another seven and a half and they definitely raised like more than five before that. Um, and they've established a North America office. They've got a team now based out of the UK. Um, and I think starting to put some interesting pieces together so i think it's um yeah definitely one to watch so for me next year i think like this is a prediction for us i think we're going to see them turn up on our customers more often but i think that they will um i think that there are smaller companies like i said that don't want to make the leap to like a like a full stack solution that's expensive and then yep. even in like the bigger contractors that there's so much baggage in making a decision to move from whatever thing they're currently doing that it takes so long. I can see projects adopt just building out what they actually need. Yeah, I can imagine it's for the same, whatever tool. Same with like Power BI. Uh, people would love to customize, and every project, every person, everyone wants their own thing. So it gives them that flexibility to like adopt and then grow. Um, yeah, yeah, makes sense. And every every construction software the problem with it like the problem with so many of them is that they're like as we we're saying previously like it's like bill's way of doing site diaries or fred's way of doing it from this project and if you build a whole product around that way it's very niche but if you can build a, a tool builder and maybe you have a template that is bill's way and you have a template that like then you've suddenly got something that wider groups of people could adopt and stick with. so i think it's really cool i think they're doing a great job yep solid first pick what do you got? So <laughs> my first one is not a small company. If it's it is doing well. I'm gonna I'm gonna like <laughs> is it chat is it an AI? If you think no, 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 no. 
Nah, no way. I, I've got I've got one massive one and I've got one really new and niche one. So I thought they balanced quite well. But the first okay. one, they've raised like nearly a hundred million, I think, something like that. But Bill Dots. And the reason I picked them is in the last three months, I've had them mentioned four or four, four or five times from our customers. And the previous year or two years, I hadn't heard of them at all. So I think they are building a bit of momentum, specifically progress tracking. So they like the fact that this device makes its way around site each day and they get progress tracking percentages against tasks, particularly on fit out jobs within construction projects. So you get relatively accurate measures uh, on a daily basis. Um, now, obviously understanding progress is key for any project, but also with my QS hat on, that's really useful information for payment applications, um, for flagging issues early. Like if you've got a 10 day task, you're eight days through and you're at 40%, like that's a clear flag that you could jump on a bit early. And so is this um, I'm like, sure um, love it. Is this like a, like a competitor to like an open space or a, like a hollow builder? where there's some like thing on a hat or something on a robot or whatever it is going around doing yeah. scans. Yeah. It's like a handheld device. So someone does the walk each day. So there's, there's a lot in that space. Uh, the reason I picked it is that this specific name keeps popping up at the moment, like open space are huge there. I think they're just about hitting their billion valuation, but I haven't actually come across a customer using it yet. So it's interesting that this one's emerging. Um, is is, are they doing it? Um, are they doing it for like record capture of photos, or is it progress? Is the progress update being? Is it being like quantifiably extracted? Yeah. So the the progress update is the thing that these customers are saying is the useful set of metrics that they're using every day. Yeah. Um, for flagging issues, for um, dealing with subcontractors, um, and it's just really simple. It's quite visually easy to read if you see their application it's like literally sets of tasks progress updates i don't know how they deal with things on like fit out where the measure isn't visible like that that part i don't know how you could deal with because it's it's got to visually see it and it compares it to the model and it says you're 80 of this floor being fitted out or whatever that might be but once you go to services within a roof and things like that i don't know how they then deal with it because it can only see what it can see but um it's a qs's dream because they can sit in the office and get those progress updates without going out there. Like from when I did some research into this space like months ago, it did feel like a bunch of them were still quite a while away from like accurate, accurately extracting progress. Because there's a lot of problems in there, right? You have to extract from an image progress or some sort of like meaningful data set that then is able to be quantified against the model and then you have to work out with some level of accuracy what's different and what does that mean. And then you've got to translate that to some sort of schedule activity. Yeah. That's really difficult. Which is mega difficult. So I can't, I'm, I'm very skeptical about how far through that. It, yeah. yeah. Do you have, if we think about like how we would have done it on sites, like it, it is just indicative. Um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay a subcontractor based on these because if I walked around site with an engineer to assess a payment application, the actual useful information from the engineer is they're going to be redoing that or like this is going to take X amount of time because there's an issue or a fault or there's something to do with quality. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, like narrative and context missing from just a, a scan simply saying you should have done 
seven meters of bricklaying and you've done six. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, it's definitely got a way to go. But how, it's much got you, how much did you say that they raised? I think their last raise was 60 million. Yeah, that's, that's big cheese. So, um, yeah. 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 It's not small. That's a, so um, cool. Are they based? They're based in from memory. That's like uh, uh, Israel, Tel Aviv. They were based. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Someone might prove me wrong there, but pretty sure. I, I'm, uh, that's from memory. So I don't, I don't, I don't know for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, cool. No, cool. I'm going to go and do something totally different. I'm going to go to an Australian company. <laughs> Are you like an uh, ambassador for the for the country now, just promoting their own tools? <laughs> someone's got to do it. Um, okay, so uh, you're a QS or you were a QS, right? What would you say is the biggest waste of time uh, of all the like parts of a QS's job? This may uh, actually be a QS's job, but we'll we'll just go with this. Uh, line of questioning we could, just we could fight about whose job it is all day um yeah, yeah. probably it's nec contract specific uh comms so like writing um yeah anything from early warnings to conversation events to right well this isn't going to help you with that at all but what it does do is uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so i'm i'm biased because I, like i love a workflow based systems like it really plays well into my OCD where an application takes like something that's kind of like a linear process that has possible variations that make it complicated, that look similar between companies, but then companies customize how, you know, they layer their business logic around how we do this workflow. And one of the most painful workflows I used to uh, hate doing as an engineer and wish there was a system properly for back in, I guess, back in my day was procurement. And so I really like the, uh, these, the tools that are trying to build a, a sort of whole workflow around, around procurement. The one I've picked is ProcurePro because they're based in Brisbane and I'm in Brisbane. And, uh, the guys just today got announced as being on the like list, um, you know, there's a, um, publication called the Australian financial review. It's kind of like the financial times, but in Australia. Uh, they're on the fast 100 list for like fastest growing startups. The ability to take the process of scope of work, going to market, getting vendors' responses back, doing a tender assessment, doing the questionnaire, getting that through a certain internal sign-offs and allowing companies to layer in like what their limits of authority are, what their tender assessment sign-off process is, what their scope of works are, that whole process was like back when I was doing it was just a giant clusterfuck, you know? Um, yeah. And so like if I was on a project today or I was on running a construction company, I'd be buying something in this space. So I really like it. And what I also really like is, I guess what I am interested to see over the next year is there is some like competition in the market. There's another competitor uh, also from Oz. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I definitely see this workflow living in a bigger platform. And so when, you know, if they can execute well and get to the right size, I could see for sure they're having a really interesting exit and partnership with a with a bigger platform, like one of the, the bigger players. So I really like it. Definitely one to watch for me. Just a few years ago, one of our customers over here, Satterstan, was like, um, yeah, we love 
what you're doing with planning or can you just build something for procurement and this is what we want you to build and it was basically driven from a lack of decent procurement tools they've got this awful government one here so if you're procuring anything over like 100k on a public job you have to use this terrible app but no one seems to have really nailed it so it'd be good to see that sort of take well out yeah because it was always that massive unknown and that's sort of like the sort of government and we know why the government mandates the you know the process to make sure that there's like fair tendering and procurement yep. processes and all that but sticking right in the mid like right in the middle of the whole process of procurement is like the contractor starts with making a scope of work then there's like a process and then go to market and then there's a process and so when the government says you must do this thing in this tool uh that we mandated it really blows up what can be done especially if that tool that they're mandating sat in the middle is like kind of archaic product they don't have like you can't just send them data for an api and then get yep. data back so it makes it hard in those markets so i don't know i don't i don't know if the uk is particularly a hard market for this type of software but definitely in smaller contractors and definitely in other markets especially when they're not doing government funded projects um i think they're having really good success and i think it's a no-brainer um it's just tricky when you are a contractor that's doing some work that qualifies for this like you must do this process yeah i don't mean to um put fuel on the fire of hatred towards qs's but every project that i've been on we had a procurement department to do procurement didn't actually do it ourselves yeah that's why i said at the start because i actually don't really know what the qs team do because everything's always someone else's uh scope but uh yeah one day i'm going to work it out Fucking mirrors. Right. So my second tool, I'm going niche. It's not 60 million raised and pushing billion dollar valuations. A few projects have been giving really positive feedback about this recently. The company's called Shape, and Shape is part of the sort of Laminar company or group or um Laminar for anyone listening is a consultancy that operates in the UK and Europe, lots of planning and project controls professionals deployed on major projects. So they've got a couple of tools and one of them is effectively an issue tracker. It is what it says on the tin. You can sort of log and detail issues for due dates, ownership, deadlines, photos, supporting information. The feedback from teams are it's real simple to use. Anyone can just pick it up. Uh, it's an app on your mobile, uh, removes the likelihood of relying on like WhatsApp and emails and just losing stuff into the ether of stuff recorded on a construction project. They are major, like large tier one contractors giving this sort of positive feedback. Um, I think for me, one of the reasons it will actually sh sort of grow quite well is Laminar seems to be growing at quite a pace. They've got a lot of guys now and they seem to like double every year. So Just got, got it? <laughs> yeah. They, um, they've got like an army of champions actually sat on projects offering this low cost, easy to use tool. So you'd expect them to be able to sort of roll this out quite easily. I guess just to tie it back, what did you do for issue tracking? Well, don't ask me a question because I didn't do it. But um, uh, what? Because you had no issues with your work. <laughs> no, no, no. If we don't want to know about the issues, the issues are last thing you want to write down. What is the actual like? Uh, what is the value like proposition for a contractor, and then maybe like um, a, a, the person that's supposed to be doing this issue? Because like, if there's a you know, if I, if I went onto a 
was on a project last week, right? Walking around the site, uh, area manager sees an issue. First thing that uh, they do, phones out, WhatsApp, in the channel for like civil works. What the hell's happening here? Bill sort this out. And then the person responds, yeah, okay, on it. I'll call this person. So there's like a conversation that happens back and forth. Then yeah. it goes back to, oh, by the way, have you done this as well? So it's just like a natural conversation, like, you know, you would use a like Teams or email or Slack for. So I just can't get my head around, like, if I saw an issue on site, is the first thing I do go to this issue tracker and put it in, does it get solved there? Or is it literally just I'm recording it and then I'm also doing the thing in WhatsApp? If you're, let's say you're the foreman on site and you spot an issue, like it doesn't have to be like an actual snag. It could just be an issue to do with like logistics or even as simple as something being untidy. If you're WhatsApping someone saying, sort this out ASAP or whatever you might be saying with a picture, you're not going to know it's not done until the next time you walk past that and then blow your lid because it's not been done. Um, and he, like we use Slack, which Slack would be better than WhatsApp because at least it's trackable, traceable, you can tag people and everything else. Um, you'd still lose it in, like think about how much communication is going on in construction. You still lose it in this mess of stuff. And ultimately until someone sees it again, that's when it all blows up and someone's going to be pissed because it wasn't actioned. So I could see why it would be handy to be like, there's an issue here. You're going to tag the the engineer or the subcontractor or someone saying, sort this out. And the deadline is today or tomorrow for urgent or maybe next week if it's like a snag or something. So to have that definitive list, which you're then knocking off by marking things as complete. I think the the OCD side of our brains, that feels quite nice. I don't know if any of the big suites do, do that. Do you know anyone on a project that does it? I don't know any construction supervisors. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's like if we just, even if we just think of snagging, and I think this is broader than snagging, like contractors have these big trackers and spreadsheets. Yeah. Stuff. It's such a manual job to review and check and assign. So I feel like there's a good, it feels sensible. And the positive feedback is this is really easy and we're actually keeping on top of these lists and things are being done and actually like we know it's being done rather than stumbling across the issues multiple times so i feel like it does have a space i I I think like for me the ability to have it in a spot and go back and track what's done like that's all very positive i just i mainly was just stumbling at like would i if i saw an issue i walk past an issue yeah like major issue going to be what? on the phone aren't you um or like minor issue i'm going to be on the whatsapp channel going hey get this sorted here blah 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 blah. it's just like when would i do it I don't know. yeah maybe they're relying maybe... on the other person to like actually do it because if it's something that's not like right now like right now you would call because you're not going to log an issue tracker with a due date of now because that's quite yeah. aggressive but if it's something that needs to be done next week it's nice to have something there with a person in a deadline so yeah i think it makes sense yeah 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 cool although interesting you could probably just build that workflow in site mate uh not that like i'm not doing anyway you're, you what you're an angel investor in site mate is that no, no, no. <laughs> um right, the last one is definitely like above my pay grade so uh, i follow this company i really like their vibe uh they have 
this like really cool base of like power users that are always sharing what they're doing uh, and a great like community of users, which is not easy to do in like a, a business app. Company's called Speckle. Uh, and you can think of it as like a, maybe at like its simplest, like a data connector for design model data. Let's imagine, Carlos, you and I are both designers working on a project and you're using Revit and I'm using some other tool and whatever we have to send model data to each other. Someone needs to do an export, send it over to the other person. That person has to receive it, upload, diff it from what they had. So there's like a whole version control and sharing information backwards and forwards. So like the first thing that I think they've done is they've built a bunch of these plugins that will plug into like a Revit or other tools and allow people to either manually or programmatically sync their data to a cloud environment. Right. And that allows the other person to also sync the data. So you can get a notification that says, you know, there's new data on this model and you can get it to be pulled in and you can work out what the differences are and stuff. So because the design tools are largely a collection of desktop apps, they built a like layer, which build the pulls, the desktop app data into a cloud environment and allows like a nice, easy data exchange between designers. But then because the data is in a cloud environment, they then have all these other things that they can, which is like, they built a web viewer where anyone that's not the designer can go and view that model data, um, see it, you know, get information from it. And then because they've got that and they've got this like set of tools, they can, they've built like developer tools. So like an SDK and stuff, kind of like how we embed some visual elements of visual elements in our product that sits on top of some frameworks and stuff that other people have built. And these guys have built some tools that allow other developers to integrate some of their tools into their application, which kind of would position them to be like this platform where all the design data lives. So like this data exchange hub from desktop applications, but also the portal into it from their own viewer or other people's apps that would make them like a really interesting substrate for, you know, like they could take a lot of power from like an Autodesk because Autodesk could try to do the same thing, but within a proprietary kind of like walled garden. And this is more like an open source BIM, open BIM approach. And again, I see that if they get to it, the right point, definitely being an acquisition target for someone. Does that allow, um, does that allow multiple people on the same project to use different modeling tools? If they're like, if you had one designer. Don't ask me too many questions. Cause I do want to admit, <laughs> like, again, it is above my pay grade, but my Right, yes, closer. I believe so. Because, yeah. like, a massive problem must be, like, I haven't onboarded myself onto a modeling tool, but I'd imagine they're not a quick learner. So if your business invests in one, another business invests in another, and you're both collaborating on the same projects, you could use your own tools for the same data set. That well, I think that happens already, problem. but what? But what? in order to get around that, they have to export and import from um, common yeah. standards. But then every time you do an update to the model, you've got to you've got to manually track the version history. You've got to have a document control that does the upload into you know AKNX or whatever the system is. Re you know, revise it there. Someone on the other end needs to receive it, put it into their environment. This would basically just do that programmatically for you between the the two people that actually need the data, or more people. 
our good friend George from Scanska would probably get quite excited about that. We should ask him next time. I'm sh- you know what? He definitely knows a lot more. He, he should have come in and told us how it works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <but> um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, um, is this, you followed them, so you've been reading about them, or have you actually seen them like to put on any schemes or anything? No, I, f- I follow, like I'm connected with some of the folks on LinkedIn. Cool. Right. Uh, my third choice. I haven't actually got a product to pitch here. But is I'm this like a space? Sorry? Is it OpenAI? <laughs> That's not OpenAI. Within the commercial space, there are a couple of tools that seem to be quite prevalent, like Inna and CMAR. Generally, commercial tools, they focus on like comms. They're focusing on budget, budgeting and forecasting, things like that. Relatively simple. The tools seem to be getting better from like an aesthetic and a function point of view. But for me, the most important part is still missing. On any major construction project, particularly NEC, which is the big stuff, we're not just capturing like what is our final cost. We're not just capturing upstream value, which is like our, effectively our budget, because that's changing as we get compensation events. But there's something that we do on a monthly basis, or good QSs should do, which is called CVR, cost and value reconciliation. And that is the combination of everything. So what is our upstream budget? How does that tie with our downstream compensation event to supply chain? And how does that tie in with what we're actually going to spend? And those three things all together show you your profit and loss. And there's no real way to know that without having detailed compensation events in the system with like like a range of a risk spread of how much we uh, sort of close or agree with client and the supply chain. So that's not been done. I, I know why people, it's quite a difficult one to approach because it's very sort of technical and it's also a product that you're going to have to build and gear towards a certain contract because NEC are very like specific in the way they do that. So I can imagine it's not the most tempting thing in the world, but it's such a big issue that I hear from commercial directors from the biggest projects that everything's on spreadsheets and it's an absolute nightmare. Everyone gets to the end of the job. The change is absolutely screwed and then they just agree a number and you might lose or win. So um, I think that's something that we're going to see someone attempt to do, but that's my last bet. Qu- question then, like, because that is, I agree that like there's, you could, you know, going back to my love of uh, workflows, I you could easily see how that would be um, doable, but it relies on a bunch of like uh, adjacent data. So you kind of need to do that in my mind in the same place that you're in, in a connected set an application that's either connected to or is the same thing that you're doing your forecast final cost in. Therefore, yep. you need to have your basically all of your cost going into there. Yep. And then all of your value going into there. Yeah. So it does upstream feel like it would downstream. be a, So and, it does feel like an ad as well. Yeah. yeah. So it does feel a lot like it then needs to be that's just one like module within a bigger system. I don't know how anyone could break that out without duplicating a lot of the existing. Yeah, but yeah. if you look at existing systems, like a like a PMI or a change from the client would be like a load of commercial like text information and a number. There's no breakdown to that number. You don't build the number in the system. Mm-hmm. That number relates to a spreadsheet on SharePoint. So this system doesn't actually need to connect into those whilst the end game should be the fact that it connects into these systems, but it's probably detached from these systems because at the moment, all of this is spreadsheets. So you're not, you're not like halting your use of a, an application already because they just have the final number. 
um but do, but don't you see that you do like your you would do the pricing of the variation in the system you'd set you would then it would be linked to the instruction coming in you would yeah. have um you would then have the person that does it have like these updates that they make like i had a meeting with the client then a letter gets sent so it's connected to some sort of like communication service you'd want that all to be logged and like linked kind of like how a crm works yeah if you imagine you're producing a quote for the client and as you like pick the pmi number it's already pulled the cost from all your downstream subby conversation events so it's actually like linked so like everything has a story well yeah so that's that, yeah that's gonna be like that's, a, a that's surely never gonna happen <laughs> but like what what yeah. what could certainly happen is that you are building a qs building up the price for this compensation event you send it off maybe there's a workflow it goes to the project director to approve it before it gets sent or whatever then once it's sent then a timer is tracking and tells you right you've got to send your second letter on this day yep boom that can get sent through the system as well yeah and then you're scoring you know when you have a meeting with them you come back and log okay we had a meeting score you know it's now looking like it's very likely or you know and then that could build up to yeah, it'd be fun to build. Uh, I just don't know how to um break it out of building. You'd easily be tempted to build an entire yeah. financial system for a you'd project. have to like focus on that core part and not get carried away with oh now we can do that and now we can do that and then you're you can't sell it. But um for context, I was on one project where there was two thousand upstream conversation events and twenty five thousand downstream. So it's not a small feat to like keep on top of. That's what QSs are doing. That's what I was. I you still got off. I, I, I thought no, don't bash him. Like just let him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone's no, got to no, make money off, off the back of all the mistakes going on. But uh, yeah. yeah. Right. We'll uh, we'll end it on that note. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Thank you.